But as we sang that song, God Rest You Merry Gentlemen, um, you have to think about some of the songs that were written back many, many years ago. Uh, at a time when maybe the church was singing uh, hymns or, or certain songs that seemed sort of dreary and slow, it was the Christmas hymns that were inserted that then sort of allowed a little bit more pep, a little bit more joy, a little bit more, uh, I don't know, an uplifting feel, so to say. But as you read the lyrics of the, the song, talking about the strains of this world. It's like we as like sheep have gone astray, it says. And then you look about the evil in this world with Satan's powers. And so there is that, there's that, that sort of setup to say, this is what we're dealing with. But then comes the good news. The good news that there is a Savior that has been born. So there comes in that, oh, tidings of comfort and joy. And we celebrate and we, we sing that. And I think about, you know, the comfort and joy Comfort, rest, peace. I mean, we, I think we all want that during, during this Christmas season and during the holidays. But I, my question is, how many of you honestly feel rested right now? How many of you feel really peaceful about the holidays and what's coming right now? Yeah, it's a little bit stressful, I think, is more... Maybe more of what it feels like. I think sometimes the holiday tends to rob us of certain things, uh, especially peace. I don't know if you knew this, but the holidays was actually a phrase that got termed and sort of evolved on. It used to be holy days. Holidays were actually holy days that were observed to hit the pause button and to focus your faith upon a certain thing. But those holy days, as they evolved down in time and history, turned into a holiday. It was a break from, uh, from work or, or things that you normally did, the routine. And there was still recreation and relaxation, but less faith and more recreation, which then we move from the peaceful and rest to the stressed situation. Are you following me on this? That's, it's, it's been an involvement over the years, obviously. And, and I think what it comes down to is we just we need a break. We need peace. Last week we talked about disappointment and that emotion. This week I want to hit on the emotion of stress and worry. I, I really don't remember that as a kid. I mean, if, for those of you that are my age or older, reflect back to when you were a kid. And if you're a kid in here, you're there. But for, for me, as a kid, I just showed up at the holiday. I had nothing to do with it. I mean, I didn't have to drive through the holiday traffic. I didn't have to do the shopping nor put up the decorations. Mom and Dad did all the driving. They did the decorations. Like I said, I just sort of showed up. I'd wake up in the morning on those holidays, and I would smell heaven. Mom was in the kitchen baking away. And I, I didn't have to do anything. I just smelled it and then went down and laid down by the Christmas tree and just looked at the lights, looked at the presents. Just, I mean, I just chilled. I mean, it's so peaceful. I didn't know what was going on in, the, in an adult life at that time. All the work behind that took place in the kitchen, um, the, the cleaning, the preparation. I may have swept and dust just a little bit in the house, helped mom out. But let's face it, countless hours of cleaning, that was her job. You know, and I, I think about, too, the list of people to, to buy gifts for, to send cards to. I didn't have a list. I just went to the J.C. Penny catalog. You guys remember that? The J.C. Penny catalog went through like, I'd like that. That'd be cool. I like that. I like that. Bend that page over, market. You know, it's like that was that was the extent of a list for me. But now, well, you better get your 
card out to this person in that family and don't miss them. And, and oh, I need, I'm out of stamps. I need to run down to the post office. Everything goes on, right? As a kid, I don't remember school pageants, plays, programs. I remember being in some. Um, but at some point in time, Christmas got busy. Christmas got stressful. Time changes, right? Obviously, a key stress point is also finances. In 2021, it was reported that 10% of Europeans went into debt from Christmas shopping. Well, that was Europeans. How about us Americans? Americans, 40% of Americans said they expected to go into debt as a result of buying gifts. 40% of America said, I don't want to disappoint anybody, so I'll exchange disappointment for stress and financial problems. You know who it's really stressful for at Christmas? Introverts. There are some of you out here that are just like, yeah, that's me. You, you stress out walking this way because you know you have to shake a hand of somebody at the door, shake a hand probably at somebody in, as you come in the other doors, and then Pastor Dave's going to say, hey, let's take a minute and go greet somebody. And you're like, no, hi, hi, and you're just stressing out. You're the person then that obviously it takes a lot of energy to go to Christmas parties and events because that's not you. There's enough stress, right? So here's the thing. The question is, how do we deal with stress? It makes sense why I heard one person say, no wonder sensible mammals hibernate during the winter. Yeah, I understand. I get it, right? Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. We're going we're gonna to look at a couple of the Christmas stories. We're going to see the stress that was in those stories. And we're going to f- discover the answer to how we handle stress throughout not just Christmas, but every day of the year. Luke chapter 2, we'll start in verse 3. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. Because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom was engaged, and was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. Thanks to the emperor, Caesar Augustus, there's a census to be taken. They are now going to have to travel. As, think about this. A teenage couple, she's about ready to have a baby. And they're going to have to go travel 90 miles, basically through the flatlands of the Jordan River, west, uh, moving over the surrounding hills of Jerusalem. It's going to be a long trek. There's going to be wild animals, possibly thieves. And let's face it, this was Thousands of years ago, right? It's a couple thousand years ago. There, there was no, hey, I'm going to call him and make a reservation for this night and for that night and for that night. There were no Airbnbs to, to, to go through any kind of businesses like that. Rest stops, where are you going to stop? I don't know. But you think about this young couple who's going to travel by foot for about 90 miles. And they said, uh, some say it would take about 31 hours to walk that far. Now, Mary, who's pregnant, about ready to have a child, how far is a pregnant woman going to walk in her last you know, week of maybe having a baby. So that some are thinking maybe they went five, six hours is about what they could walk. So that means it probably could be a five to six day journey for them. And again, no place to stay. I'm telling you, as somebody who plans out trips at times, that stresses me out. Not knowing where you're going to stay, not knowing where you're going to eat, and what's going to happen. I, I like to know these, these details. Okay? And what's worse, the parent of Mary and Joseph... Okay, if that's my daughter or my daughter-in-law, and she's about ready to have a baby, and she's going to be walking 90 miles, and I have no phone locator on her, how do I know where she's at? How do I know she had the baby? Did she have the baby? Is it a boy or a girl? I know they said boy, but angel could be wrong. I don't know. So what, what, what happened? What happened? 
stress, right? So I look in, in the midst of this worry and stress of, of Luke chapter 2, what's going on, and, and the question is, what do we do with that? How about we just throw up our hands and say, Sunday school answer, trust God. That's a great Sunday school answer. Let's just trust God. What does that look like? I mean, I think we all know the answers, but putting it into practical application is sometimes a difficult part. In this part of the story, again, I feel like, well, I think we have an answer, but I don't know. How do we, how do we handle the stress? Turning your Bibles now to Matthew chapter 2. Let's go to another Christmas story. Matthew chapter 2. We'll start in verse 1. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose. We've come to worship him. Now, quick review. Wise men, magi, however you want to say, you know, the song suggests three, three kings. I, Listen, they were most likely to be astronomers and philosophers. At one time when the, when the Israelites were taken captive and, and, and moved in Judah and Israel, the centuries before they were exiled out of that land, they, these people were probably mixed in with these astronomers. Uh, you can read about even this uh, in the, the book of Daniel. You'll learn about them. But here's the thing. Were there three? Well, we know there's three gifts but not necessarily three men. This was probably an entourage, a large group that traveled. And they did not come on the night of the birth of Jesus. They came probably a few months later. So if you have a nativity scene, I get it. That's the way they're produced. they got the wise men right there. Just take your wise men. Just take them a couple inches and move them over, okay? They're still on their way, okay? They're still part of the story. They just come a little bit later. It's all good, right? But they arrived there. Look at verse 3. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Israel. So he called, I'll pause for a second here. When these, when these wise men arrived, think about it. They're looking for a king. They didn't go to Bethlehem, because Bethlehem's not the home of kings and royalty. You would go to Jerusalem. That would be the place. They'd go to Jerusalem. They don't have an address. So they're probably asking every single person that they run into, because it created quite the stir. Because again, this is a large group that comes in. So already heads are turning looking at them. And they're asking the question, and they like, you know what, royalty, if we're looking for a king, let's go talk to a king. Now you see why King Herod's deeply disturbed and everybody in Jerusalem with him. Look at verse 4. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law, and he asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem of Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will, be the sh- who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Verse 7 says, Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time in which a star appeared. Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem, search carefully for the child. When you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. Maybe you remember this. I always say this. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Okay, that was not true. Okay. But you can imagine Imagine going to a king asking for a king. Just, just think about this. Hey, King Herod, we're looking for the king of the Jews. That's like me going up to Patrick Mahomes and saying, hey, I'm looking for an MVP quarterback. Or me going to Elon Musk and saying, hey, I'm looking for somebody who's smart and rich. Can you point, point them out to me? I mean, it's like they're right in front of you, right? So King Herod's like, I'm a king. And you're looking for a king? Wait, did you say king of the Jews? 
The opinion of Jewish people then is very similar to the opinion of Jewish people now, at least there in that moment. They were not exactly well-favored. I mean, these, these people seem to have different customs and beliefs. They tended to be prosperous and successful. They were sometimes maybe a rebellious, but more than a conquered race, a lower class of people in their minds. So do you think this King Herod was a little bit disrespected when you got somebody coming up saying, hey, I'm looking for the king, king of the Jews? Definitely felt a little disrespect. By the way, this king was a horrible king, an evil king. David Guzik says this, he had no sooner come to the throne than he began annihilating the Sanhedrin. He slaughtered 300 court officers. It's like going, taking, taking the, the presidency and going to the Supreme Court and just killing them all. Basically is what's going on here. He murdered his wife Miriam and her mother Alexandra, his eldest son Antipater, and the other two sons Alexander and Aristobulus. So he comes in, kills his wife, kills his mother-in-law, kills his boys. Oh, what a great guy. This is the king, Okay. So do you really think, as he told them, hey, I'd like to worship the king of the Jews too. Just come back and tell me where you found him. And everybody, if we all know King Herod, like, you know, you're waiting for that music, dun, 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 because he's going to be a killer, right? Look at verse 9. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. I love how God used the star, by the way, because these guys were astronomers, right? He used something that they were familiar with. God often does that with us. He speaks to us in manners that we can understand and relate, maybe by our, our tool or skill or whatever it may be. Look at verse 10. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house. They saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These wise men went a long distance to find something they were seeking. I mean, it's like, who does that? I found out Friday who does that. I don't know if you heard this, but there's a place called Cosmics. It's a new idea from McDonald's. Uh, basically, it's a drive through only, just beverage Focused spot, so you won't find any French fries or Big Macs, but you'll find any kind of energy drink, latte, cappuccino, and donuts filled with all kinds of good stuff in it. Just a crazy menu, okay? Different than their menu. Uh, this, this particular one opened up in uh, Bolingbroke, Illinois. Just opened. People waited in two hours just to get in line. Just I just want to be a part of that. It's opened up. I just can't wait. So if some of us, we can't stand five minutes in a fast food drive through, right? Two hours. Can you imagine that? Gets even, it gets better. Um, a woman by the name of Tanya Michael traveled all the way from London to Illinois just to get this, okay? She said this, I, find out, I found out about the place, literally just booked my flight straight away. She's like, oh, Cosmics is open. I'm going to fly to America and sit in line for a couple hours so I can get a latte, what kind of money do you have? Okay. Now, oftentimes, when I use illustrations like this, my point is not to make fun of people, but to show you what mankind is like, what we're like. That's why a lot of times I use illustrations of my own life just to show you the stupidity of who I am at times and my mankind. You know? But when I find examples like this, it's not to belittle anybody, but just to show you what lengths mankind will do for certain things in life. Because we maybe sit there and think, these wise men, they traveled how far, how long, they, the, the resources they used, just to look for a little baby? 
It just doesn't make sense to a lot of people. But they found him and they worshiped him and they gave him three gifts. Now, this is what I learned about the wise men. These wise men were actually pretty bold. I mean, they went before Herod. They stood before a killer and asked him really a disrespectful question. The scribes, the Pharisees, those who said, oh yeah, we know about the star. And they didn't do anything about it. These wise men saw the star and they just didn't gaze at the star. They followed it. They traveled to it. They pursued it. They endured. I love how they used their own resources as they opened up their treasures and they gave to an infant. They believed in Jesus being a king and their actions showed it. And as they gave their treasures, they worshiped on their knees. And church, listen, they were Gentiles. In other words, these were the people that weren't called to worship Jesus, but they did. I love how Spurgeon said this, those who look for Jesus will see him. And those who truly see him will worship him. And those who worship him will consecrate their substance to him. These wise men, they completed their goal. They looked for the king of the Jews, Jesus. They found him. They worshiped him. They gave to him, but they weren't done. They had to return to Herod, as you remember. Remember Herod said, when you find him, come back and tell me. And I have to imagine at this point in time, they were very aware of Herod's reputation, so I'm sure their stress level probably amped up just a little bit, right? Look at verse 12. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return because Herod's going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother. And they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem were two years old and under. Church, it's called a massacre. It's horrible, right? Based on the wise men reported the star's first appearance, Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet of Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. I, I don't know about you, but it's like, to me, this is stressful. I mean, the first time the angel appeared was to Mary and Joseph, saying, you're going to have a baby. Oh, this is great. No, they didn't, that wasn't their first response. They had to think through everything that was going on, right? The next time an angel of the Lord appears to them, guess what? You and your baby are about ready, or your baby is about ready to be killed, so I want you to get out of here now. It's like one of those scenes from an action movie where the husband calls, hey, honey, get the kids, grab whatever you can grab, get in the car, get the moms, go. It's like everybody's panicking, grabbing stuff and just running out of their house. This is what happened here. An angel of the Lord shows up. Get out of here. Go to Egypt. Herod is going to massacre kids. He wants to kill your child. Go. Stress, definitely stressful to me, right? I mean, you're running down the road as quick as you can with a newborn. And again, this might have been a couple months, so maybe not quite to that 
walking stage, but still you get this little child with you. Your child, by the way, is a king. So as you're running for your life, you're carrying the Messiah. You're carrying a savior of the world. Remember his name last week? Emmanuel. God's with you. He's been with you from the start. How do we deal with the stress of the holidays and everyday living? Well, we could start, I don't know, creating budgets, stay within our spending means. Uh, we can create maybe a, a less busier schedule by saying no to certain things. Maybe get a counselor along to walk alongside us to encourage us. Uh, we can hold each other accountable to things. Uh, I'm telling you, the, the whole thing with mental health and all that is it's very real, and you've got to take care of yourself, right? It is very stressful out there, and we can come up with a lot of things. But here's, here's going to be my solution to stress, okay? All those other things are good stuff. They're, they're good stuff. Here's my, here's my one word answer to stress. Worship. Worship. Stressful circumstances are always going to be around us, church. You'll face stress every day with every situation. Just, just, just ask them, how you doing? Oh, good. Deep inside they're saying, I got a lot going on. There's probably something that's causing them to worry. And how do you combat worry and stress? Worship. In Luke 12, Jesus was talking about the riches of life and how you get to heaven. He looked at his disciples and said, this is why I'm telling you not to worry about everyday life. What Jesus said in verse 29 of Luke 12 is this, and don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your father already knows your needs. Church, listen, you're stressing about something right now. God already knows what you need. He already knows. What does verse 31 say? Seek the kingdom of God above all else and he'll give you everything you need. So when we start worrying, we start stressing, God's like, hey, you know what? I already know. I already know. Here's what you need to do. Just put your eyes on me. Seek me. Seek my kingdom. You worried? Worship. You stressing out right now? Worship. Philippians 4, 6, 7 says this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. You, are you worrying right now? Have you prayed? Prayer is part of worship. Worship is, worship is singing. Worship is praying. Worship is giving. Remember what the wise men did? They came in. They gave. They knelt down. They worshiped. In the midst of a very stressful situation, they worshiped. Worship team, would you please come forward? We sang earlier, and we're going to sing uh, more about, you know, the, the Prince of Peace. The prophet Isaiah declared a message from God. He said, there's a child that's going to be born. The government will rest upon his shoulders. In other words, governments are going to establish, be established upon him. And then his attributes, his, his nature is revealed, that of wisdom, and power and eternal and peace. And those all sound good about right now, right? For unto us the child is born. His name will be called what? Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. Last week I said, you know, we talked about the emotion of disappointment. Today, stress. In the midst of stress, we need the Prince of Peace. He is Emmanuel, God with us, to help us in our disappointment. He is Prince of Peace, the one who helps us in our stress. Would you stand, please? Replace worry with worship this week.
If you're starting to stress out today, later, later today, tomorrow, pause and pray and worship. Let the Prince of Peace fill you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, that you are the Prince of Peace. You came here in, in, in dark and dreary times. And in those, those moments, when I look back and we, we read about what happened with Mary and Joseph, and to me, Lord, it just seems so stressful. But those, those wise men came. I mean, they, they went the distance. They spared no expense just to worship. That was it. They left in peace. That's what we need, just to worship. We need a peace that surpasses all understanding, that guards our hearts. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the peace that you offer us, for the peace that you give to us, and for the peace that lives within us. In my name we pray, amen. Mm-hmm.